I'm Lauren Sherman, the writer behind Puck's fashion and beauty memo line sheet. And I'd like to welcome you to my new show, Fashion People. On every episode of Fashion People, I'll be talking to insiders about the stuff we're all whispering between the press releases. From M&A rumors to celebrity stylist dish to the future of legacy media. Be sure to follow and listen to Fashion People, a presentation of Odyssey in partnership with Puck. Available on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Shame On You. Imagine interviewing your exes for the world to hear. Well, guess what? That's the sort of thing that happens on the Shame On You podcast. Shame On You is the pod where two best friends work to eradicate gay shame by interviewing gay men from all walks of life. A great episode to start with is Adrian the Stripper, with whom one of the hosts went on a date. Shame On You is the fastest growing gay podcast in the world, so check it out. Now on with our show. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Bellisai. I'm here in the studio, as always, with my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Hi, Matt. Uh, I'm pretty sure that I've seen you almost every day for the past two weeks. Is that why you're depressed? I think so. (laughs) I think that's what's happening. Almost every day. Almost every day. Yeah. My mom thinks you're a terrible influence on me. It really upsets me. (laughs) I only want Debbie to love me. She's convinced that you've turned me into a pothead, that you're now (laughs) holding a gun to my head in the hopes that I will adopt a dog, which is likely. both are true. Anyway, let's get on with the episode. We're going to kick things off with Worst Things First, where I shout about the worst news of the week. After that, we are diving deep into fall, bitch. It's autumn. You might even say we are falling into autumn. You might even say that it's still 90 degrees outside, so why the fuck are we complaining about fall already? But you know what? The fact that it's 90 degrees outside when it is technically fall is worth complaining about, okay? And finally, we have Laura Dreyfus in the stud. Laura is an actress, literal Broadway star. You know her from Glee. She was the original Zoe in Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway. And now she's in Netflix's The Politician opposite Ben Platt. We talk about all of that and so much more. So let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's wrap ourselves in autumnal scarves and start the show. All right, horse things first. Let's talk about the worst news of the week. First, a Russian Navy boat out on a science expedition was attacked and may have been sunk, not by an enemy ship, but by a walrus protecting her calves. Hell yeah. Oh, okay, giant fat walrus mom. Welcome to the resistance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you thought the Cold War was over? No! These are professionally trained sleeper walruses who have been placed there by the American government. Oh, my God. To attack, quote unquote, scientists who are out there doing, quote unquote, science. What do you think is really going on? No, Soviet espionage. (laughs) I've seen the Americans, all right? I watched 10 seasons of that fucking show all because you told me to. And now- You're welcome. I want to see a Planet Earth Americans crossover. Okay. <laughs> where it's a walrus mom mm-hmm. who attacks a Russian spy boat. I mean, yeah, I would watch that in a heartbeat. Even though officials said it was just a science expedition. But we all know what that means. Porn shoot. <laughs> I don't know. The joint expedition by Russia's Northern Fleet and Geographical Society was sailing in the Franz Josef Land Archipelago. <laughs> I don't care about any of these words. In the Arctic Ocean last week, when the incident occurred, Russian military officials said in a statement that the boat was attacked. Why are are Russian military officials commenting on a science boat? That's what I want to know. I don't even feel safe talking about this, walrus. I I feel like I could be targeted. Next! An elderly British couple has been accused of drug trafficking and is facing up to 12 years in prison. If convicted, they claim that a mysterious businessman 
tricked them into carrying 20 pounds of cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) That's so much cocaine. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I don't know how you accidentally just acquire 20 pounds of cocaine. Because cocaine's like light, right? Also, their names are... 20 pounds of it is like a lot. I don't know the density of cocaine. (laughs) Well, it's nine kilos. So that's probably like nine bricks of cocaine. Damn. Based on my limited knowledge of cocaine. Did you see that tweet that Kendall Jenner... (laughs) Kendall Jenner tweeted a photo of her holding a little dime bag and was like, oh my God, obsessed with this tiny Ziploc bag. (laughs) People were like, clearly you've never bought that small amount of Coke. Right. The Jenners are buying bricks Bricks. of cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. I do like that uh, their names are Roger and Sue Clark. (laughs) Just, just the most British elderly names possible. Um, authorities say they were they discovered nine kilos of cocaine hidden inside four travel cases in their cabin on a cruise ship near Portugal. Okay, yeah. So you're a rich elderly British couple traveling in Portugal uh, on your on your pleasure yacht, <laughs> and authorities come across twenty pounds of cocaine, and you're just gonna pretend like you didn't know it was there. Okay, Roger and Sue, fuck off. Um, the couple claims that they were unaware of the drugs. According to them, a Jamaican businessman named Lee. <laughs> this is just exactly what you would say. <laughs> um, a Jamaican businessman named Lee paid for their cruises and simply asked them to pick up empty cases from a middleman. <laughs> they also claimed that Lee asked them to purchase exotic fruit for him. <laughs> I just... How do you not know what's going on? No no free cruise is really free. Yeah. Unless you won that by one of those telemarketer robots calling you, telling you you won a cruise, you are trafficking drugs. The couple was previously convicted in 2010 for trafficking cannabis resin near Norway. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, first of all, obsessed with Roger and Sue. (laughs) They are uh, a fucking modern day Carmen Sandiego's. Uh, I want a whole season of Narcos just about Roger and Sue. <laughs> they are definitely the king and queen pins of like a international cartel. Yeah, I how how are you going to just pretend like you didn't know this was happening? I just love that lie. Also because they probably had so much time to think about a lie to use and the one that they thought of was a Jamaican man told us that this cruise would be free if we trafficked these drugs. Yeah. Or if we take this mysterious package. Yeah. In the current case, authorities think that the couple had made contact with drug trafficking organizations multiple times over the last two years. And um, apparently they were only living off about $1,000 a month, but were somehow able to afford uh, to spend approximately $22,000 on luxury cruises over a two-year period. You know what? This is a great travel hack. Yeah. Who needs Skyscanner? When you can just meet up with international drug cartels and start trafficking. Right. Where's our travel blog? Yeah. <laughs> Where's Roger and Sue's travel blog? I'm going to go. You know they go, probably have one. I hope they do. They probably do like reviews of cruises. I'm going to do one of those like around the world in 180 day things, uh-huh. but only travel by making my money trafficking drugs. Perfect. What can go wrong? We'll find out. Next! Doctors in China say a patient allegedly got so drunk, she swallowed a six-inch spoon and forgot about it the next day. How did she find out? How did she remember? Is it because she tried to go to the bathroom? Mm. A six-inch spoon. The patient reportedly went to a hospital with stomach pain, and then an x-ray revealed that a (laughs) six-inch spoon in her abdomen was the cause. Um, Rather than open her stomach, the doctor decided on a gastroscopy procedure, which involves inserting it. Okay, we don't need to know all of that details. No, no. (laughs) Removing a spoon. The doctor said removing a spoon through gastroscopy is very tricky. Firstly, the spoon was over 10 centimeters long. It was also very smooth and slippery and therefore difficult to control or grab a hold of. Don't you hate when that happens? (laughs) When the spoon that you accidentally swallowed on a drunken night out gets too slippery inside of you and your doctor can't get a... Oh, even after snaring the spoon, it was difficult to pull out. It would get stuck along the way. Was she just was she just eating ice cream really fast? 
Yeah, how do you accidentally swallow a six-inch spoon and not realize it? I'm now I'm afraid to eat ice cream drunk, which is iconically, famously the best time to eat ice cream. Yeah, maybe it was one of those situations where it's like, you know, you're drunk, you go get a cone of ice cream, but you're like, I should probably get this in a bowl. Mm-hmm. And then so you get a spoon with it, but then halfway through it, you're just like, uh, uh, you're basically using your mouth anyway. Yeah. And then at that point, you're like, did I even have a spoon? Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's gone. <laughs> My favorite quote is the doctor said, quote, do not put small things in your mouth when you're drunk. Sorry, ladies. (laughs) That's going to be very limiting for a lot of relationships. Am I right? Am I right? (laughs) I mean, six inches is the average. Okay. Don't make me be (laughs) the spokesman. Don't make me defend Ben with small dicks. And finally... An unsuspecting Christian couple, this is from the Daily Mail, so there are a bunch of adjectives that just do not need to be here. An unsuspecting Christian couple adopted an adorable little girl, believed to be six years old, only to discover that she was actually a 22-year-old adult sociopath masquerading as a child. That is basically verbatim from the Daily Mail. (laughs) I would not choose most of those words myself. Yeah. And this is literally the plot of the 2009 film, The Orphan. (laughs) This is all playing out in real time. This girl's from Ukraine. You thought thought this was some crazy news was happening in Ukraine, even without this. Oh, topical. But but it's this is the weirder one. (laughs) I I just want to preface this by saying this is a complex story. (laughs) There's a lot that we're not going to be able to get into. There's debates about whether she's actually 22 or she's actually was a child. There's there's a lot. There's also like they were charged with being neglectful parents. There's a lot happening here, but we're just going to stay on the surface. You can do your research if you want to go deeper into it. Uh, Yeah, I'm basically going to drunk history this story in that I skimmed an article uh, about it, and I'll try to recount it. But basically, this couple adopted, um, they, they're they like foster parents. They'd fostered a bunch of children before. They were featured on 60 Minutes for another child that they adopted who turned out to be like a genius. They adopted him? I thought that was their child. Or it was their actual child. It was their child. <laughs> But they they do. I think they'd fostered other children, perhaps. Okay. I know this was an emergency adoption. Right. So this was an emergency adoption where they had, like, less than a day to, like, go to a place, like, sign the papers. And then they get this girl who uh, they were told was a Ukrainian-born six-year-old who suffered from a rare form of dwarfism. So she was... She, like, couldn't walk, apparently. Right. But then one day they were at the beach and she just like ran to the ocean. Yeah. Then the weirdest part is that one day they gave her a bath and then she had a full bush of pubic hair. By far the most upsetting part of this whole thing. I don't know. I mean, it's so terrible. Well, the actual most upsetting thing is that they claim that the girl would make like mysterious and threatening like terrifying statements about wanting to stab them in their sleep um pushing she would them. she would just like stand over them in their sleep apparently allegedly yeah she would make statements and draw pictures saying she wanted to kill family members roll them up in a blanket and put them in the backyard <laughs> Now it's actually so scary. It's so scary. Yeah, she was standing over them in their sleep. They had to hide all of the sharp objects. The mom says she saw her putting chemicals, uh, bleach, Windex, something like that in her coffee and asked her what she was doing. And then she allegedly said, I'm trying to poison you. And yeah, I guess it all came to a head when they they basically like left the girl and moved. Right, because they were like, okay, you're 22. You can live on your own. We'll pay for your apartment. Right. And they like signed a lease for her and they were like, all right, we're going to leave you. Move to Canada so that their other son could like be this prodigy. Right. And then um, now they're being sued for child neglect for like abandoning yeah. And there was one doctor who, I guess, did like a bone density test and it claims that the girl was actually a 22 year old woman. 
because of this like rare form of dwarfism, you couldn't actually tell what her real age is. And now there, are, I guess, are disputing reports now of whether she was actually 22 or whether she was actually a child. I don't know. It's so fucked. I don't know. All of it's fucked. All of it's wild. Orphan is real. The scariest <laughs> part is that the, apparently this girl, however old she is, is just missing. No one's heard from her, at least. Now I'm afraid she's going to show up and kill me. She's an avid unhappy hour listener. Oh my god, what if she is? Anyway, um, best wishes to everybody involved in this story. It is truly horrifying. We'll stay up to date with it. Um, I would don't. This is not where you should be getting your news, but we will stay up to date with this. And on that note, that's it for this week's Worst Things First. Next, we're going to get a little bit lighter and talk about fall. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. All right, well, it's that time of year again. The chunky scarves are out. The autumn boots are strapped on. The pumpkin spice is being ground from the pumpkin spice tree, or however pumpkin spice is made. Actually, I looked it up. Do you know pumpkin spice is just a mix of a bunch of other spices? What? It's not even made of pumpkin. It's just the spices that go into a pumpkin pie. We are all fools. So it's, yeah, it's mostly, it's what British people call like mixed spice. It's like cinnamon, clove, uh, There's ginger, probably clove, clove in there. yeah. and nutmeg. Who knew? I Did everybody else know this? <laughs> <laughs> I just assume, well, you get like a pumpkin spice latte. I assume that it was like spice made of pumpkins. <sighs> Lies! Oh, now a whole bunch of fucking baristas are going to DM me again and be like, oh, actually, we fucking carve our own pumpkins and do the juice. No, fuck off. Anyway, so pumpkin spice is a lie that you're telling yourself. Either way, fall is here, at least according to the calendar, because it's still 80 fucking degrees outside in New York and I should be sweating through a wool sweater right now and not sweating through a t-shirt and shorts. Because I'm still going to sweat. Let's not get that wrong. So, as is my annual tradition, let's get into it. Reasons fall is the worst. First! I have to replace my whole goddamn wardrobe. I finally got used to wearing shorts in public, and now I got to trudge out of my long sleeve shorts, aka pants. You know how much longer it takes me to get out of pants at the end of the day compared to getting out of shorts? Hours. Hours it takes me. There's so much more tugging. There's so much more pulling. I have to break for my breathing exercises. You know what you gotta get? What? You gotta get zip-offs. Zip-off, zip-on. Absolutely not. Do it. Do it. You can even do double zip so you can do it like a capri length do you for the transitional I'm... weather. Uh, and serial killer from Iowa? Maybe. I will never wear zip-off pants. I think I wore zip-off pants once in my life. And it tore my family apart. So apologize. Next! Also, like everybody else, I think I'm going to look so cute in all of my fall clothes, but really, we all just look like drunk Muppets. All fall clothes are just musty Muppet pelts. Also, every straight guy dresses like a lumberjack in the fall, and it's very confusing to me sexually. <laughs> Am I supposed to just not get a boner at this J. Crew? Well, too late! Plus, everybody starts losing their shit over Halloween way too soon. I was walking yesterday and I passed one of those Halloween superstores that hadn't been there an hour before. And then I went into a full-blown existential meltdown. Because if I don't know where the Halloween superstore goes when Halloween is over, how am I supposed to know where anything goes? Does anything even exist at all? What happens when we die? Also, we like to pretend like things smell better in the fall, but they don't. Just because it's not a wet, hot American garbage bag outside doesn't mean it stops smelling. 
Fall smells like rotten caterpillars. What? Fall smells like your grandma's basement that flooded in that big storm in the 1950s. And then she got it professionally dried. But this was almost like 70 years ago. And she was a young woman then. And turns out she had an affair with one of the water damage guys. And he left an entire patch of carpet absolutely drenched with flood water. So now your grandma's basement smells like damp asshole. And also your entire life is a lie. Because guess what? That water repair guy is your real grandma. Oh, that's what fall smells like. Next. All the fair weather ice coffee and ice cream fans start to show their true colors in the fall. You're just going to stop eating ice cream and drinking iced coffee just because it's 20 degrees colder outside? Fake. Fake fans. You shouldn't be allowed to have any of it ever. Unless you're willing to claw a freezing cold plastic cup while the brittle autumn air threatens to wrench off your fingers, you're fake and you shouldn't be allowed to live. Also, my neck can't support the weight of a chunky scarf. I have a weak neck. What if I, oh, my, what if my spine breaks? Because society told me I have to wear a chunky scarf because I'm gay. Homophobic. And everybody is too pale in the fall. And that's my thing. You're, you're taking my thing from me by not being tan the entire winter and fall. Racist. Next! There's too many basic-ass fall activities that people try to get me to partake in. Apple picking? You expect me to go into a forest to do work? <laughs> the only job I'm doing in a forest is a blowjob, okay? Whoa. <laughs> that's what forests are for. Also, apple is one of the main ingredients of fall shit, and apples are mostly garbage. I gotta say, I had to stop eating them when I had my braces because it would, like, break my braces. And I kind of lost my taste for apple after that. What kind of apples were you <laughs> What kind of rock-hard you, you apples? You weren't allowed to just, like, bite into an apple. Yeah, well, you cut them up. That's too much work. <laughs> I do have one of those, like, apple slicers that Ooh, you just push down. Yeah, that's nice. There's some Hawkeye. I, well, I had to unfollow him because his shit was just getting too weird. But he posted a story of him just eating the entire apple. And he was like, it's good for you. I've eaten an apple core. Yeah, but core, stem, all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sticker. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> Only because I, I was like on a hiking trip and it was like, leave no trace. You're not supposed to just like throw apple cores around because then apple, that's like crossing contamination. This isn't interesting. Oh, you're going to shit it out eventually. Or did you carry your poop? No, you bury it. That's planting a seed! <laughs> what is wrong with you? Or my counselor just wanted to prank us, and I didn't notice it until now. Yeah, you f fertilize an entire forest with your nasty shits. <laughs> but it's true. Apples are garbage. First of all, that's a worm's house that you're gentrifying with your white-ass teeth. I'll eat an apple. It's not that I don't care about an apple, but I just... Cooked apples are gross. It's just a fruit slug that you're trying to trick my mouth into eating because it's in a pie crust. Fuck off. Also, taffy apples aren't as good as they pretend like they are. If I wanted to eat something covered in a bunch of dried, sticky gunk, no. I'd eat Dwayne The Rock Johnson's jockstrap. Because uh. <laughs> you know he wears a jockstrap exclusively. Also, fuck off if you want me to go on a hayride. You want me to sit on a lawnmower in a giant Tupperware container of dry-ass, scratchy-ass grass? Next thing you know, I have Lyme disease and a flaming rash on that one little dangly piece of elbow skin. And finally, fall is when Big Candle starts pushing all their nonsense down my vulnerable sinuses. Do you hear my, do you hear my nose always? Yeah. This is me not on candles. <laughs> do you know when candle season fires up? Pun. That uh, you think my, my nostrils can withstand that? My delicate nasal cavity cannot stand the onslaught of salted caramel or sparkling cinnamon or whatever the fuck a juniper berry is. Here's a controversial opinion. Candles are all trash. I have never yet to meet a candle that I can withstand for more than five seconds at a time. Fuck candles. Fuck everybody who peddles candles. Fuck Yankee and Diptyque and all of the fucking nonsense places that pour a bunch of 
streamy yellow sap into a cup and then put a fucking match in it and try to sell it to me as something that I should light in my house to make the poop smell go away. I'm not here for it, even though I secretly love fall and you know it's sure as shit. I'm going to fire up my maple candles when I get home. <laughs> and my life is a lie. And that's it for this week's Deep Dive. Next, we got an interview with a Broadway star, Laura Dreyfus. My guest complainer today is actor, singer, sensation, Laura Dreyfus. You've seen her on Glee. She was the original Zoe on Broadway in, in Dear Evan Hansen. And now you can see her in the Netflix original series, The Politician. Welcome, Laura. Hey! <laughs> How's it going? Oh, it's great. Good, good. <laughs> we like to start things off, as always, by asking you, what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves? <laughs> I've been <laughs> so nervous about this because I know there's a perfect answer and I can't think of it. But There is no perfect answer. Honestly, mm. my answer probably changes day to day. I think I hate... Hmm. I hate, I hate when people jog at stoplights. Yeah, jogging They're in place. They're jogging in place at stoplights. <laughs> I'm seconds away from becoming that person. Well, I'll never jog. No, There's no reason I, I would ever jog. I don't for see any the reason. point. <laughs> <laughs> but especially jogging in place. But jogging in place at a stoplight. What are you? What, what are you trying to prove? Yeah, your body will. It will continue. You can pick <laughs> up where you left off without having to stop. Take a breath. I like that. I like okay, that. Cool. Yeah, Push I've yourself. started. I have an Apple Watch. Not to brag. <gasps> wow. <laughs> Flex. Uh, but I do have an Apple Watch. And uh, sometimes I do. I like when I see, like, hot guys that I follow on Instagram mm. post their, like, Nike runs. Mm. And you can, it, like, tracks your run. Have you seen that? I know it exists. It, yeah. like, maps it out. Some people will, like, you know, run in the shape of a penis and then laugh at it. Oh, clever. Yeah. Um, I follow a lot of really mature people. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> Classy crowd. <laughs> uh, so I started doing that just for like walks because uh-huh. I was like, I'm not going to jog, but I still want the joy of being able to see my path. Mm. And it does it like it like buzzes when you stop at a corner because it's like we're not counting this because you're stopped. Wow. So Apple watches are pro jogging in place. <laughs> I feel like it's actually pro not jogging in oh, place because okay. it's like, all right, we're stopping now uh-huh. and we'll pick uh-huh. up once uh-huh. you get going. Uh, this is a healthy pause. Right. Yeah. So. OK. Apple's on to something. I, maybe. Yeah. We're in the same camp. I guess so. Apple Watch officially anti-jogging in place. Have you ever unintentionally made a shape on your walk? No. I feel like now my shape is mostly motivated by avoiding, like, Times Square. Because mm. I'm sometimes I, like, inadvertently will, like, make a turn and just, like, all right, I'm committed to this path. And then I will walk right into Times Square. Mm. Which is just, like, it's not like I don't know where it is. You I know it's there. You don't need to go there unless you're seeing a show. <laughs> yeah. I know. I mean, being a, being a, a person of Broadway, yeah. I imagine that you encounter... Times Square more than the the normal person. More than anyone should. Yeah. Yeah. It does seem overwhelming to have to go there on purpose more than like once a month. I hate the way it makes you see people. Because <laughs> you stop seeing them as people and it becomes more like a video game. Right. And I don't think people realize this, but on Broadway, if you are late more than three times, and when I say late, it means like past the minute. You have to be there on the dot. On yeah. The minute. So if you're late, you get fined like 70 to $150. And, As an actor? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And some stage managers are a little more lenient than others, and some right. are very strict about the rule. It's like an equity rule. And so when you are on your third late, and you're getting through Times Square, and there's like just tourists stopped in the middle, you have to like elbow people, because in your mind, you're like, you're costing me $150! <laughs> but it's really stressful, because yeah, there's still people in... They should enjoy Times Square for the first time because that's magic. I guess so. I think it maybe it's like Disneyland where if you go as a child, there's something like majestic about it. But then yeah. you go as an adult and you're like, all I see is trash and urine and like it's In not. Disneyland? <laughs> this applies to both <laughs> Disneyland and Times Square. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No, I just have never. Elmo's. There's Elmo's everywhere. Right. There's just like a crusty off-brand oh. Elmo. I got cat called by an Elmo. <laughs> 
<laughs> that ruined my childhood. Yeah. Was it in the Elmo voice? Yeah. No, no. Sadly, it was like this really husky, like, hey, baby. <laughs> That's worse. That's definitely worse. <laughs> Is that what you want? Yeah. Anyway, it's on natural. that joyous note, um, yeah, let's talk about you. Cool. <laughs> Can't wait. Where Where did you grow up? New Jersey. And how? What were you like as a as a child? Were you always like a theater kid? Did you fit into a different group? I was a pretty weird kid. I didn't have a lot of friends, and I used to um, play by myself a lot. Sure, like, same. I, <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I have this specific... I, I also had, like, really big glasses and a lisp, and uh-huh. um, and I used to play in the playground by myself, and I was a raptor, because I was really into Jurassic Park. <laughs> and so I would run around with my raptor claws and... Um, and I'd be like, wah, like making raptor noises. And nobody was playing with me. I was just off in the corner doing this. Right. And I remember like one girl coming up to me and being like, one day I, I was a different kind of dinosaur and maybe she could tell by my gait. But she, she came up to me and was like, are you not a raptor today, Laura? And like now looking back, I know she was making fun of me. But in the moment, I like honestly answered, no, today I'm a duck bill. <laughs> <laughs> and like <laughs> ran off in my duck bill manner. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, no, I was a weird kid. I didn't have a lot of friends. <laughs> and then I joined theater. Yeah. And then it, it was that like, oh, everybody else is a weirdo and I've found my tribe? Yeah, or... well, I think theater people and artists in general just tend to be yes-anders. Yeah. Um, and so everyone just says, yeah, to the weirdness and doesn't make you feel ashamed of it. True, yeah. And so that's sort of how, I don't know, that's how I think theater forms a community. You just feel like you're accepted. By, for who you are yeah yeah and it's always weird to me because I, I does i don't know that many theater people um but i get that sense from mm. the people i do know but at the same time in my mind it's still like oh you're all the like beautiful like talented people mm. who i like would not have been friends with in high school that's so it is funny. weird. It is, yeah. I see it as the opposite. <laughs> I see it's it as all the, the weirdos. Weird, the weirdos who had like weird relationships with their parents, and they're like, "Well, I'll just make art." <laughs> I mean, yeah, that is every every artist. When did you start getting into theater? Was that high school or later? I pretty much did it my whole life. Yeah. Um, I have an older sister. She's ten years older, mm-hmm. and she did theater. She's actually in the original cast of Mamma Mia. Nice. Yeah. So when I was twelve or so, I was watching her on Broadway and also had the same passion and so it's funny I think I had this like strange sense where it felt very attainable even though it's really not right but I think because I saw her do it it seemed so easy and yeah so she just really inspired my whole journey to get to where I am do you have other siblings I have a middle sister who has a PhD so (laughs) (laughs) all across the the board yeah the wise one who chose not to get into (laughs) entertainment exactly (laughs) (laughs) yeah I it sounds like it could be a lot to have even two actors in one family you'd think I mean I think we're both kind of soulmates in that way we just had each other so um I don't know yeah it's funny yeah. Let's see. So uh, you Glee was first, right, before Broadway stuff? Uh, Broadway stuff was first. Yeah. I did Hair and Once. Right. That's right. And then I did Glee. Right. And then, well, actually I did the workshop of Dear Evan Hansen, and then I did Glee, and then I did Dear Evan Hansen. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I uh, I think I saw Dear Evan Hansen twice. Oh, cool. I think you you were in it both times, I'm sure. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, fully sobbed both times, obviously, along with everybody else. It is truly alarming, and I don't know how you get used to it, uh, to like be in the theater and just hear everybody oh, around yeah. you crying. Yeah. No, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. And you did it, f- I mean... Like a year and a half. Right. Yeah. No, it's actually... It's, it's, weirdly satisfying and uh, <laughs> <laughs> no it is like i think it's cool to like be able to a share that same emotion mm-hmm. with so many other people but also yeah to be able to like everyone's coming in in one mindset and then leaving in another and then that's because of something that you did yeah it's it's like my version of church i think like theater yeah. has a tendency to just like make you feel and and you are transformed by the end. And it's like the amazing thing is that you're only existing that singular performance. Right. 
Uh, we were talking a little bit about this before we turned the mics on, but the the reference was when an Amber Alert goes off <laughs> yeah. and like everyone's phones goes off in it's, the middle of a performance. So scary. <laughs> yeah. I just think about like as a comedian, if something happens in the audience, mm-hmm. like I... I'm there, I can engage with it. Yeah. But as an actor in a in a play or a musical, you can't really, it's harder to engage with something that happens. Yeah, it's this strange thing where everyone's kind of aware that something's going on. And so your mind suddenly splits into two places. Right. Into two, and you're just thinking about that. And then also simultaneously trying to do the scene until someone tells you to stop. Yeah. But it is weird. It's like really strange. We had, um, I think they were the, the, Chinese New Year fireworks went off uh, one year and I was doing Only Us with Ben uh-huh. and we were staring at each other and it was also kind of a weird time like you know with North Korea and right. so <laughs> yeah. we, our mind went to a different place and yeah. you know it's 2019 so things are a little on edge and right. we we were just staring at each other with this look of fear and and I I think there was like a break in like the song and I kind of whispered like what do we do <laughs> <laughs> and like we continued on and realized like when we got off stage it was just fireworks but it is that weird moment where you're like well I mean we might all just die so I guess we'll just keep going <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't what else can you do yeah it's good to know kind of what you would do in that situation yeah <laughs> And it's just continue singing. It's the highest of stakes. <laughs> yeah, I think so much about that, uh, like, false alarm in Hawaii, was it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and for, like, however many minutes, 12, 15 Goodness, minutes. can you imagine? Everybody was like, yeah, we're definitely all going to die. Like, I don't know what I would do in that situation. Yeah. Sing, I guess. Sing. It's a good way to go. <laughs> Make everybody else listen to me singing. He went out singing. <laughs> Doing what he loved, forcing everybody to listen to him. I mean, is it weird to spend so much time with one character where, unlike, you know, being uh, an actor in a show or a movie where you're you're literally embodying yeah. this character every day for like a year and a half, like you said, and like you, it's you were in preview, like mm-hmm. all of that stuff that you have to do. Is it weird to do all of that and then like one day you're just not that anymore? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I guess I, <laughs> I shouldn't have asked that as a yes or no question. But. No, I had a full on, like I, I swear I, I got depressed after just because yeah. it was so much to process. And I also left the show and immediately started filming. Yeah. So I left Irvin Hansen after, yeah, like four and a half years of my life, basically. Right. And then moved to LA within a week of finding out that I had you know gotten the show so then I went to LA and was living a completely different life and was filming and focusing on that and so when I came back to New York in the winter time I was like what has my life been and (laughs) there's so much to unpack and process and I definitely like had a I don't know I had to like retreat from everything yes it was a lot so you went right from Dear Evan Hansen to filming The Politician. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was immediate. Yeah. Which I, I maybe is better than like going to like nothing. Yeah, I would imagine it would be pretty, yeah. pretty hard. It would be a hard hit to be sitting on your bed for right. like two weeks thinking, okay. <laughs> but you'd done TV before. So, I mean, how was this sort of... Yeah, the, the whole idea of getting to create a character and not really knowing where it's going is really mm-hmm. exciting um and also having less time with the material yeah because with theater you've been especially with a show like Dear Evan Hansen because we've workshopped that we've done multiple productions and so we by the time we got to Broadway we all felt so comfortable in those roles and right. we were living with those words for so long that the the Zoe that I was doing in DC is completely different was completely different from the Zoe on Broadway like you know it was just that time and experience with it so yeah moving on to tv it's like you have to throw all of that out the window and just like go off of your first instinct and trust that that's gonna work (laughs) yeah not really care (laughs) like you have to care a little less yeah great now it's on camera and it's out it's gonna live forever and (laughs) my grandchildren can see it and it better be good (laughs) well yeah you know the world will be gone in like 10 years anyway so i think we'll all be fine (laughs) manhattan's gonna be underwater so uh i watched all of i binged all of the politician yesterday oh wow i I got to see well by the time people hear this it'll be out so so but i've been 
binged it all yesterday. Um, and yeah, I what mean, I loved it. I I I will watch anything Ryan Murphy makes. Uh-huh. I, it's just like so campy and ridiculous, oh, like yeah. everything it's and absurd. like colorful. <laughs> um, yeah, the the story is a little like wacko and like <laughs> goes a little bit off the rails at some point. <laughs> But it all comes back, and uh, yeah. So I, I guess for people who haven't seen it, uh, tell us about your character. So my character, McAfee, is Peyton's, um, Ben Platt's character, the lead role of the show. Um, she's kind of his right-hand woman and his campaign strategist. Right. So, yeah, she's like just trying to get him to the White House. Yeah. <laughs> but it's high school. Yeah, I guess the the like plot in brief without giving anything away is that uh-huh. Peyton Ben Platt's character is running for student body president um in the hopes of one day becoming the actual president. Yeah. And this is like very important to him. Um but I love how it's like this is true for almost every Ryan Murphy show where it's like it's just understood that like we're all buying into the fact that these are the highest stakes possible yes. from the beginning. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and everybody is treating it like it is the most serious thing. And then like there are real world like shit mm-hmm. goes down. Um but yeah, it's just like it is so fun to watch and it like doesn't feel like I'm watching 8 hours of television in a row even though that's exactly what I did. Yeah, it moves very quickly. <laughs> yeah. One of the greatest scenes uh, is you and Bette Midler, mm. uh, which seems very exciting <laughs> slash nerve-wracking. Oh my God, I want to hear coolest. everything about that. It was the coolest day ever. Um, she's just like a force. Like, it's amazing. Like, she walks into a room and everybody just changes, like, even, like, how they say it. Like, it just becomes different. Um, and it's just, like, her presence that she brings. Yeah. Um, and that day was just... Oh, man, we were all looking around at each other, just like eyes wide, couldn't believe it. And she is the best. Like she's an actual queen. And just it's amazing. Like we we were just like running our lines kind of to like get the feel of it. And then we were doing like a little rehearsal and she was just kind of like doing doing her scene. And and then all of a sudden we started and she just like became this incredible character. And it was like these like eyes are just like boring into mine and it was like this really amazing feeling of like uh, oh man I feel like I left my body a few times yeah it was really cool there was a there was a couple of scenes with her where I was like I don't know why the scene is here but I don't even care because it's Bette Midler just kind of going off and I I'll watch her do that forever Oh, the amazing thing, too, is sadly, I don't think any of these will ever like made the actual cut. But like I uh, there's a scene where I in the end of the scene without giving anything away, I leave the room and then she just started improvising and saying things. And (laughs) the brilliant thing was like everyone in like where the director sits, like we were all like covering our mouths because she was just going on and on and like saying the most ridiculous (laughs) things. And it was brilliant. And. It's like no one wanted to yell cut because they just wanted to like listen to her right. continue. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how how you even direct someone like that. It's just like you're, yeah, yeah you're a bad middler. Like you can you, do whatever. Oh, it's so cool. And there were also some like pretty big name directors too mm-hmm. that you, I, I saw, well, Janet Mock Janet was Mark. one. Oh, um, God, what a queen. Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt. <laughs> that was the coolest. Yeah. Moment. Yeah. Yeah. What was that like? I mean, well, both Janet and Helen are just, oh man, to have like actor directors it's so amazing because they just know. Yeah. They, I don't know. The way they talk to actors is so special. And especially with Helen's episode, because I had to be like slightly intimate at moments. And it was like the first time I've ever done anything like that on camera. Right. And so there's just this added layer of, I don't know, nerves. And she was just the best with it. Like she just made everyone feel really comfortable and like. Yeah, she's just the coolest. I just really like I want to be her when I grow up, <laughs> which is now I'm grown up, but I want to be her. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we've we've all got time to become Helen Hunt, I yeah. think. <laughs> you also obviously uh, star across Ben Platt in this show as in Dear Evan Hansen. Um, was there a big difference between like stage and screen in that way? Um. I guess in terms of our friendship, no. Like, our relationship is always the same. But, like, as, yeah, creating these characters and the characters' relationships to each other are so different. Yeah. So, 
that yeah that was really interesting and fun to discover and it was also fun because there was so much pressure during Dear Evan Hansen because of like I I don't know like we went through I guess with the shows we were doing the show eight times a week while the Tonys were happening and, yeah. and so that like I don't think anyone realizes like how hard theater actors have to work when they're oh, like in a show and it's like nominated for a Tony and multiple people are nominated for Tonys and then there's all these galas that you have to go to and <laughs> you still have to do the show eight times a week and be really good. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that was really a stressful time, even though it was wonderful and amazing. So it was fun to be able to work in an environment that just felt lighter. Mm-hmm. And also the subject matter was a little more fun. So we're not... You know, right, right. It, the stakes were a little <laughs> easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Like we weren't crying eight times a week, and right. so we could just you know enjoy each other and enjoy like the fun things we got to say to one another. And, yeah, yeah. Well, I do want to. We have um, we call it a game. It's not really a game. <laughs> I say this every time. It's called elaborate, and we found some tweets where you've said you've hated things, and I oh. just want you to elaborate on them. Oh, fun! Wow. Or 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 you've qu- said something that there was one tweet. I just want you to explain this one, like what? Because clearly, it's a very specific moment. The tweet is: "There's nothing more vulnerable to me than someone having to take off their shoes at a party to reveal a petty sock." <laughs> <laughs> Clearly you were at a party and this happened. <laughs> you know that awkward moment when you, you didn't expect to take your shoes off? Right. And you're wearing um, the, the, the very small, like, no-show socks? Mm-hmm. They're very vulnerable. I see it. So when you, you, someone in this tweet is you. Yes. <laughs> yes. I thought this was like a judgmental tweet about someone else. But I've also else. seen others. I've also seen others have to do the same. Right. And it's, it's very unsettling. Yeah. Because the, the sock, they're, they're no-show socks for a reason. Right. They're not supposed to they're see a the socks. They're yeah. a secret sock. I do feel a need to apologize whenever I've, I, like, take off my, my shoe and I'm wearing a no-show <laughs> no show sock. And I'm like, sorry. It's, it's shameful. <laughs> we are like, yeah. it's something about it. It's uh, very vulnerable. I mean, how many parties are you going to where you're taking off your shoes? It's not so much like someone's demanding that I take off my shoes, but like you get there and everyone's shoes are off. <laughs> and you're like, well, I'm not going to be the asshole wearing, you know. Yeah. There's no more shoes. pressure to me than that moment when you arrive at someone's apartment who you've like, or house that you haven't been to. It's like that Sex and the City episode when she takes off her Manolos yeah. and someone steals them. Right. And she's like, you owe me Manolos. and. I mean, I think it's fully ridiculous, though, to have a party and to make people take their shoes off. I mean, you 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 have to accept that like things are going to get dirty. Yeah, just clean the house. Yeah, I I do think a lot about like what wearing my shoes in my apartment. Like I I take my shoes off. I'm not like yeah. wearing my shoes around my apartment. Right. But like if people are over, I don't care. And I've That's definitely awesome. walked everywhere in my apartment with my shoes off, I... all like 600 square feet. I th- I think <laughs> if you are going to invite people into your home, you want them to feel as comfortable as possible. If yeah. you are going to be a host, you should make them comfortable. And if they want to keep their shoes on, you let them keep their shoes on. And yeah. you deal with the consequences. I mean, yeah, don't put your shoes on, like, my table. Yeah. But, like, I don't care if you're if they're everywhere. Yeah, like, don't go stepping on my pillows, right. you know, but... But I do think a lot about, like, especially when I'm walking on the street and then, yeah, I have my shoes on in my apartment. I'm like, oh, yeah, everywhere I've ever oh, stepped yeah. is you now You can't think in too hard apartment. about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's all making us stronger inside. Yes, yes. My immune system is is impeccable. Okay, now moving on. Uh, another tweet. We live in a divided country right now. People who hate Taylor Swift and people who love her. Mm-hmm. I'm, I can guess where you land mm-hmm. based on based your on other my tweets. recent tweets, yeah. <laughs> you are pro-Taylor Swift. I am. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm not anti-Taylor Swift. You know, I... Yeah. I'm into her. This this last album like really changed me. Like I was always kind of like into her. I was yeah. Like, yeah, Taylor Swift. I like I like a lot of the songs that she's like. I really loved her earlier stuff, and I loved 1989, and and then the, the I love Delicate, and then this album came out and I can't stop listening to it. I have I I need to do a couple more like listen throughs. There are mm. definitely songs that I'm I'm into. I feel like Taylor Swift for me is one of those where it, at first I'm like. Oh, yeah, and then like yeah. slowly, she's polarizing. Yeah, she is. 
Especially, <laughs> you love her, you hate her, yeah. Case in point. Um, yeah, I will never forgive her for uh, allegedly dating Harry Styles. Oh, yeah, alleged. right. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what their true relationship was. Mm-hmm. I also passed Cara Delevingne, or however you say her name, yeah. on the street yesterday. Oh, wow, another uh, alleged mate, Harry Styles. Yeah. I'm really going through them. <laughs> Who's next? <laughs> I don't know, but now I carry a knife. <laughs> uh, I'm going to end up in jail. <laughs> Take them out. <laughs> uh, now we're getting into some older tweets. Oh, God. This oh, is, no. Um, I, brought, I bought a zebra print rug. I think I hate it. Yeah, I did. I hated it, and it stayed in my closet for years. Was it? It was just a zebra print rug, right? I don't know what I was thinking. I thought it would be chic and it wasn't like it wasn't um, like an African like chic zebra rug. It was like a shag rug. (laughs) It was like straight up from 1976. (laughs) Just uh, just a zebra print. Yeah. 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 I had a friend in college who was very wealthy and I went to his house once and he uh, he was like, yeah, that's a zebra rug. And I it took me a second to be like, oh, that was it used to be an actual zebra Ugh. that is now in your theater room that we're sitting and watching it's some dumbass show. It's creepy. Yeah. I mean, any fur rug is a little weird. Yeah, I think any animal skins or right. like, animal heads. Yeah, that I can't get behind. I'm not into. <laughs> right. A fur coat. <laughs> <laughs> you love no, a fur. I, I don't want to go on record. Uh, <laughs> PETA will get mad at me. Yeah. Because uh, someone from PETA has to listen to every podcast and they will. Oh, I'm sure they're everywhere. Yeah, they will attack me. I mean, I am a vegetarian. Yeah. So it would be pretty contradictory if I <laughs> just walked around in a fur. <laughs> just what? walk around in an animal skin <laughs> and say, don't eat burgers. There was that week where Beyonce went vegan and just every day she was photographed wearing like leather fur, a pepperoni pizza oh outfit. God. I didn't even realize. <laughs> Which is like, okay, she can do whatever she, she, can wants. Do what she wants. Yeah. If I were like a cow, mm. I would say I would gladly let. Like, murder me so Beyonce can wear me. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I would feel the same. Yeah. I'd give my life for Beyonce. <laughs> like, you can make leather out of me right now. Mm-hmm. And I would let Beyonce wear me. <laughs> um, I never felt more judged than when my delivery order arrives and it has two forks. Yeah. This happened to me recently. It's a weird feeling. Every time. I'm like, no, Mm -hmm. this is clearly not enough for two people. No. I sort of lost the sense of having, like, feeling like I need to convince the delivery person that I am with someone else. I've recently given that up as well. I used to yell up to people when I would answer at the door and be like, it's here. (laughs) (laughs) There's no one home. Yeah. I don't think that's necessary anymore. I'm like, you know what? (laughs) Even though I see this person more than most other people in my life, it doesn't matter. (laughs) I've even gone to, like, the lengths of being on the phone with them while I'm ordering and then like saying like is that good is that good to somebody who's not in the room <laughs> like did you want um do you want did you, did you want a side no okay um yeah so just the <laughs> I haven't been that bad but that is you know it's about that's that's the life of an actor you're creating a scene in that moment oh that's my best acting <laughs> <laughs> um besides watching the politician where can people find you and your work I think um, I have music coming out. Yeah, that I've written and <laughs> yeah. Right, we didn't. We should talk about that also before <laughs> I let you go. Yeah. Um, so you you are releasing music mm-hmm. under your kind of like pseudonym, yeah. like alter ego, <laughs> Lola Dre. <laughs> Where did that name come from? Um, it's always been my nickname. Like my family has always called me Lola, and like I'm. Auntie Lola to my niece and nephew and I don't know it's just I I felt like I needed a different name because it's so different from theater and right I didn't want people to think that it was the same and yeah and it was also just fun for me to make it this like fun like side indie project yeah yeah and so it's it's coming out or it's it it is out I mean there's like two songs or three songs now no two songs (laughs) two songs out right and then an EP is coming out and like really soon i think that's exciting is how i mean that's kind of like the first thing like this that you've done right yeah it was terrifying the first song i released was terrifying yeah but it's really really cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah it does seem like an exciting thing that is like yeah that's like in in your world but Mm -hmm. still very much not and like new and exciting and yeah yeah 
But you did it. You I ripped did the it. band-aid off. Oh, yeah. The first one is out there. The first two. The first two. And now you'll have a whole EP. I know. Well, it's people cool. can check that out. I'm mm-hmm. assuming it'll be on all of the the mm-hmm. streaming spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, where else can people find you? Twitter, Instagram, all mm-hmm. of that? YouTube? <laughs> is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm probably on there. <laughs> yeah, I know. I guess Twitter, Instagram, Netflix. That's that's more things than I'm on. So that's... maybe an illegal bootleg of Dear Evan Hansen. I don't know. <laughs> Great. All right, we're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that helps all the bad stuff go down easier. Starting with the TV we've been watching this week. Barry, what you been watching? I've been watching Dairy Girls. Um, it was recommended by many people, including our producer, Melissa, including a couple listeners. And I've watched the first season. Um, have you watched it? No, I want to, though. Yeah. Um, well, here's the thing. It, they're very short episodes. They're like 20-something minute episodes, and there's only six in a season. Mm-hmm. So very easy to get through. So I watched season one. It wasn't the way that everyone talked about it. I thought it was going to be like laugh out loud outrageous it's definitely not that but i i do like it and it's fun i've never seen anything set in that time period in ireland either so there's a lot of it's it's like during the civil war stuff that i i like just didn't know anything about so that's interesting but um what is the plot it's just like a high catholic high school comedy with these this group of friends and then like they're one of their British cousin who's a guy who's going to this all-girls school. Uh, and it's just like all the hijinks that they get into and the hijinks are like pretty intense. Um, and it's really fun. And it's, uh, yeah, like I said, it's very quick to get through. And I've heard that season two is even better. So I'm excited to keep watching it. There's two seasons. Um, series. Yes, there are two series. Yes. Also, we were just Googling it, and this is me being an idiot, but when you said Civil War, my mind went to the 1850s, uh, no, and you're talking about one. the Irish Civil War. Irish Civil War in the 80s. <laughs> the 1990s. Or 90, oh, you 90s? idiot! Oh my god, it's the, the 90s? That's funny, so much... I, the way it's... Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, it's the 90s. Oh, the best part is that now I'm going to be able to do like an incredible Irish accent. I also 100% need to watch it with captions on. Yeah. Don't know what they're saying. But yeah, what are you watching? I am still um, binge watching The Great British Bake Off <laughs> and very much craving everything I see. <laughs> um, yeah, the other day I did order a single piece of carrot cake, <laughs> which is not even the most exciting thing to order. No. I should have just went all out. I like carrot cake, though, and I will defend it. I like carrot cake. No one in here is saying anything bad about I carrot know, cake. I know. You just had a look in your eyes oh like God. you were going to question it. So fuck off. Okay. Um, but no, I binged watch. I mentioned this in the interview, but I binged watch all of The Politician on Netflix. Oh, yeah. I got to see it early. But um, by, <laughs> by the time everyone hears this, it'll be out. So I liked it a lot. Uh, and I would recommend it. What's your non-TV chaser? My non-TV chaser is a music chaser that I can't believe I haven't used yet, which is that Lana Del Rey's album, Norman Fucking Rockwell. Long-time listeners know I love Lana, and it's truly a chaser in the sense that, like, I was having a bad day, and in the evening I was trying to think of something to do to cheer me up, and I was like, you know what? I've listened to this album maybe a hundred times already, but I'm going to fucking blast it in my apartment. And I did, and it made me feel so much better. So that's my chaser. What about you? Mine is um, new underwear. Hey! <laughs> well, at first I was like, all right, I've lost some weight. I've definitely gone down a pant size. So I was like, maybe I could fit into smaller underwear. That's not really how it works. <laughs> um, but there's a range. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty much settled on like, okay, my basic bone structure is not going to change all that much. I don't think I'm going to go down that many sizes. Things will fit differently. Um I think I've mentioned this before, but, like, I always have had, like, uh, a thousand pairs of underwear, but only, like, four of them that are actually, like, nice. Mm-hmm. They're, they're my formal underwear. Yes. <laughs> and the I ones don't... you wear to galas. Yeah. And I don't know why I just don't have all formal underwear. Like, all yeah. the comfortable, like, elegant underwear that I would wear uh, for a special occasion, perhaps. Why are, Why aren't I wearing that every day of my life? Every day is a special occasion. So I just went all out and bought like a bunch. Nice. And by that I mean like nine 
nine pairs <laughs> a week's worth. <laughs> but yeah, especially I don't know. There's definitely there are there are small uh, improvements that you can make without spending too much money in the underwear quality department. And yeah, I don't want to be sub- mistaken for some straight person with disgusting boxer briefs that have been stretched beyond belief because they're made of like a polyester or a cotton blend. Absolutely not! I want fucking microfibers. All right? I want those fibers to be so small, you need a magnifying glass to even pick them out. And then you risk setting them on fire because the sun's rays will become concentrated. We set a box on fire once. What? And when, I, when we were younger, we used to do the mag, uh, magnifying glass thing uh-huh. and like set leaves on fire. Wow. And then one time we took a cardboard box and did it, but didn't realize that the hot ray was going through the top of the box into the papers that were inside. <laughs> and all of a sudden it was like a burst of flames <laughs> came out of the box. And it was so scary. Oh, that's hot. Anyway, got some great underwear. Anyway, that's it. Thank you for listening to Unhappy Hour. You can head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Hit that subscribe button, then rate us and review us, but only if it's nice. I don't want to hear your shit. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Media. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Melissa Slaughter, and me, Matt Bellisai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. Music by Hansdale Sue. You can bother Barry at Finkleberry Pie. You can worship me at Matt Bellisai. And you can follow Unhappy Hour Pod on Twitter for all the latest podcast buzz. That's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>